Welcome to the Voice Culture Podcast with your hosts, Brian Lee and Justin Peterson. Welcome, friends. Justin has the day off today. He is actually at his brother's wedding in Missouri. So I'm going to host this one myself, and I'm so delighted to welcome Eden Castile to our conversation today. Um, Eden, how did you and I meet? Was it SVW or Speakeasy or where? I think SVW. Okay, yeah. So that was the mute cute, and then we got to know each other at Speakeasy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, that, so that was way back. a few years. Okay. Well, Eden is a fabulous all-around entertainer, performer, pedagogue. She's a voice teacher. She's a wonderful singer. She's an actress. She is a producer. And she really does a lot of cool stuff in music. So today, what I'd like to talk about is the multi-threat performer, someone who uh, has projects in multiple media and who creates opportunities for themselves and others. So I want to kind of get into that aspect big time. So Eden, welcome to The Voice Culture. Thank you, Brian. I'm so glad to be here. Justin, I hope you're having a great time at your brother's wedding. I miss you. (laughs) So um, how would you describe, like if you had, if someone said, so Eden, what do you do? How, How do you describe your career to people? And that's when I get deer in headlights, right? Uh, my <laughs> eyes just get really big, uh, 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 because I do a lot of different things. So uh, overall, I say I'm a, a voice coach who does music productions. Or I'm a producer who also coaches voice, is how I would phrase it. Great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that encompasses a lot, which is lovely. Yeah, um, I, or the, you know, the cute way of saying it is I'm a musical maitre d'. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, and then people say, how do you spell that? Uh, don't don't ask me to spell it. Yeah, that nor d'oeuvres. I'm never sure. You know, where yeah. where's the apostrophe? Where are the silent letters? I don't know. You know, well, great. Um, so uh, yeah, I've I've just uh, you pop up all over the place in my uh, online world uh, because you you have a lot of really cool projects and um, you're so flexible, like in terms of what you can present all by yourself because uh, you sing. And you play the piano really well. And people who can do those things can adapt to an online presence pretty well as performers. You know, there's a lot of, lot of room to sort of invent, uh, uh, invent and do things. So what are you doing right now in terms of, let's talk about the performing side first. Do you have regular ongoing things you're doing that you could tell us about? I do. I have a, a live stream show, usually on Thursdays, called The Eden Show. Mm-hmm. And I live stream that from my YouTube channel. Uh, it also goes out to several different Facebook channels and also on Twitch. Which oh, is neat. This wonderful, yeah, the ecosystem. Gaming platform. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's so great for musicians as well. So I started that in January of 2021. I had done it live in a restaurant a few times. I live in Providence, Rhode Island, by the way. And so I'd done it at a couple of restaurants close to a theater there and has different guests where I played live for them. And I jokingly said it was kind of like if Paul Schaefer. Um, was David Letterman, or if David Letterman played piano, where I interview people, and my piano is almost a desk. Oh, that's and, cool. 
It was really fun. Yeah. And I got to, to call on people who I'd always wanted to work with. And we didn't have an excuse to work together. But then I created this show mostly so I could work with people who I just wanted to work with. And we, we had a great time. Then, of course, you know, the pandemic. Uh, how can you possibly do this? And then at yeah. some point, I realized I can do this online. So I started working on a set of skills in order to become a, an effective live streamer. And Justin Peterson was my first guest in January 2021. Oh, wonderful. I've seen some of the, the recorded shows, and I wasn't sure if you were still doing that. I've, I've, with my schedule, it's very hard to see the live version, but uh, I've really loved them. So what are, what would you say is some of the, well, some of the most intense learning curve for you uh, in things you had to learn in a, order to be able to put this online? Uh, the skills of, re of live streaming, right? It yeah. takes uh, a pretty decent computer. It takes uh, some lighting knowledge, uh, a little bit of upgraded sound. Uh, but the thing that I did that's a little different that I see lots of other you know, people performing online is I'm really interactive with whoever the guest is to the point where I play live piano for the guest. Mm -hmm. So I play live. They hear it live. They respond in time. We've seen a lot of uh, very good shows online where people are singing along with a karaoke track on their end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody else is kind of watching. But since I had the piano skill, I thought, well, is there some way that I can use my fingers and actually accompany a person on a live stream the same way where I would if they were right next to me? And I knew that technology probably existed, but I hadn't taken advantage of it. And then like everybody else in the pandemic, I figured out where that technology was. And I used it first in the teaching world mm -hmm. in order to coach you know, singers. Uh, but then I realized, oh, you could use it to actually do performing online. So I developed that set of skills. Uh, then I worked on getting the live streaming piece together. So that was just figuring out uh, which company worked best for me. There are about 15 different ones, just yeah. according to what you want to do. And then setting up a concept uh, to decide how I wanted to do it. So I kind of followed my, my in-person version from 2019, mm -hmm. but I adapted a little bit for online, then figuring out who I wanted to be a guest and figuring out what each guest's tech needs are. So each week I have to do that before I actually work with a guest as we do yeah. a tech check for about mm -hmm. an hour where I make sure that this actually works for them. Mm -hmm. But I only work with guests who are willing to let me play for them online. So I've got to be able to play something, even if it's like just three chords and a blues or something. But I really want that live interactive experience. If they play for themselves, we sing together. So oh, somehow great. there has to be that live interactive thing. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the hour, the viewers can watch and can give suggestions for songs. And we do music improv at the end of the hour. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So you just give a title for a song that's never been heard before. And then either my guest or me, we start playing and then we just start singing whatever comes out of our mouths. So you get that sense that's really happening and that you're really involved, kind of like if it was in person. Yeah. Well, that's mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They've come so far with what they call the low latency solutions for, for being able to uh, collaborate in real time. And I will confess, I haven't gone there yet. I haven't. Uh, um, oh. Yeah. I have not done it yet myself. Um, I can afford to be a Luddite in terms of the way my <laughs> My, I mean, I'm very tech savvy, but the yeah, uh, you are. <laughs> yeah, I totally am. But I haven't done the online. I haven't gone that step of the online thing yet for a couple reasons. Um, one is that I don't 
really dig teaching online very much. And that's just a line I drew in the sand for myself. I, I do and have taught online, but I don't, uh, uh, I haven't been that into it. Uh, so I've kind of, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, everyone went online. Well, I had already been online, but it was under very certain circumstances. Like for me, it's voices I already knew Mm -hmm. Um, or a really exceptional case uh, where someone talks me into it because of their special needs, which is cool. Um, well, that's great. I, that's neat that, that you're you're plunging ahead and doing that. I may have a few questions for you later. Um, I, I do actually help voice teachers like you get uh-huh. online uh, and use low latency if because I hear that all the time, Brian. Yeah. That. That people say, oh, I, I know I should learn more about that, but it yeah. feels insurmountable. There's yeah. probably a lot of really heavy tech involved, and it's really expensive. Yeah. Or I just don't see that I personally have a need for it. Those are all perfectly valid statements. However, I do think that as time marches on, um, low latency online music making is going to become much more of a thing. I think it will get easier, and I think we'll see uh, new opportunities in how to use it. And personally, I find that super interesting. So one of the ways I'm using it is as an entertainer, right? I will definitely yeah. probably lean towards wanting it for, for actual music making, you know, with people, myself, mm-hmm. performing. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm really kind of motivated. It's really fun. So there's, you know, there are a bunch of different ones. I know that's the main thing we're talking about today, but uh-huh. uh, there's one called uh, Soundjack. Yeah. which is was invented. All of these were invented like 15, 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Nobody used them. Uh-huh. Uh, but the inventor of Soundjack is named Alexander Carroll, and he's based in Leipzig. And he did it as basically his doctorate. So uh, it, it's wonderful. So he he's used it in, in different locations. On like the cover of his website is Jamie Cullum. And he had, wow. he, he was a personal friend, uh-huh. who was showing how he could play in one city. And then there were people playing in all these different cities uh, in England uh, along with him at the same time, doing oh, a pop piece. That's amazing. Yeah. So Alex was actually a guest on my on my show uh, a few weeks ago. So we played live, even though we were 3,800 miles away from each other. And maybe that doesn't interest everybody, but I think that's freaking awesome. I do I too. Mean, <laughs> I do too. So, so the, the part of the reason why I haven't done it for my online people is all my online people are adults and some much older adults. And to try to get, teach them that the, any kind of tech uh, is just excruciating. So yeah. um, <laughs> it's if, true. I mean, and that's, it doesn't even have to be age related. Yeah, I mean, I know yeah. a lot of 20 year olds who say, I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine until they get an opportunity where it's required uh-huh. or until we have another virus. Yeah. Until. And yeah. or until um, the venue is shut, but we still have to rehearse to be ready for when it's reopening. Yes. So it would be good to have a skill. It's not like learning CPR. So <laughs> that's a much more important skill. Right. But it's a great skill. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I've used Soundjack to, to be able to jam live with people for the purpose of entertainment, uh, but also to network. So the other one I've used is called Sonobus. And both of them are free. You download them. They work in slightly different ways. Okay. Uh, but Sonobus was really fun because I could get online and go listen to a bunch of guys in Spain practicing Santana. Or I can get together. I had a Portuguese singer, uh, a bassist from Cologne, and then me playing keyboard 
in Rhode Island. And we could all, it sounded like we were in the same room. Nice. I geek out on that stuff. I think that's really cool. So uh, the, the other one is Jam Kazam. That's okay. fairly popular. And Jam Kazam is more like <laughs> Tinder. And that you can kind of, you know, look around and see who you want to play with. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. So but you put up a little information about yourself, a little profile, especially yeah. in Jam Kazam. You can also do this in, um, in Soundjack. You can put up a profile with a photo. You uh-huh. can indicate what kind of music you're doing. And basically, you can open up a private room okay. uh, where anybody can come in and can play. Oh, that's so neat. So if you say, ah, I'm going to be doing some Brazilian bossa today. Then my room is open from this time to this time. Just come on in. And you can be there as a listener or you can be there and just start playing. Wow. So, yeah. I had no idea. I knew there, there, there are such things uh, for various social sites, but that's really cool. How do you spell the second one? Sonobus, you said? Mm-hmm. S-O-N-O-B-U-S. Okay, great. Dot net. Nice. I'm writing these things down. I'm familiar with Soundjack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it demonstrated. Uh, I've been, I have been a, like a viewer at Soundjack session, um, but I haven't like installed it or worked with it yet. That's really cool. Soundjack is like a two-part process. It's like getting two shots instead of one, right? Okay. So the, you have to download the app and then you have to uh, put the app on and then go to your browser. So it works with those two things, but all okay. of them work by basically speeding up your audio connection and it speeds it up at several different kind of pain points within so you're speeding up the connection from your mic to your computer, computer to network, and then network over to the next person. But you're building a peer-to-peer connection inside your computer. Mm-hmm. I am not Madam Science. That's as science as I get. But that's basically how it works. Okay. So, but you have the ability to, to adjust at each part. Some of the online stuff, they do the adjusting for you. And mm-hmm. so you give up a little bit of speed in order to have um, basically the computer handle the adjusting. But if you have the skill to kind of go under the hood and adjust it yourself, you can get a really fast connection. Wow, that's great. And again, I think all of this will get better and better over the next few years, and it'll just become part of what some people offer. I think it does work better for some fields of music than others. I think for piano and vocal, it works really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cabaret, jazz, small Mm -hmm. ensembles, vocal ensembles. I think you're going to see a lot of people starting to rehearse at least part of the time online because they can. And that saves them from having to rent a space or drive somewhere, get mm-hmm. all that computer equipment out, or you know, saves you from having to get your stuff stolen out of a van because it gets to sit in your house instead. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of potential use for it. But we are not yet at that tipping point where everybody does this. And we may not be there for a while. Yeah. But I do think it's coming. Wow. That's I find really it great. Really yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's neat to talk about the different ways you use it. Um, I've only seen it really demoed for uh, teaching voice lessons, and I guess I saw David Sabella do a thing once where he had a pianist in another location. Yes. That he sang with. Yeah. yeah. David really loves Jam Kazam. and actually, early in the pandemic, he won't mind me telling this story, but I know David was on kind of the forefront of technology. Yeah. And he would actually, what, live stream some of his voice lessons for a time. Yes. Uh, I used to watch him do that and think how brave you are. Yes. (laughs) And and how brave his students were and how wonderful that was to get to see another teacher do his thing. I learned a lot from watching those and became friends with him at that point. And then early in the pandemic, when everybody was scrambling around looking for uh, ways to speed up that audio connection to connect. David said, oh, I'm using this thing called Internet MIDI. 
which was a piano to piano, like a digital piano oh, to digital yeah, piano right, connection. Right. Yeah. Yes. And he was using that and said, but it works for voice people as well, because then you can just send the piano and then the voice is, stays in the same room. Mm-hmm. So he made a video about it, and I, he was just asking, does anybody want to try this? And I said, yes, I want to try it. So we got it working one night. Nice. And that was like in March of 2020 that we got it working, and it felt like finding the Holy Grail, right? So, But since then, he's gone on to, to use other forms of tech. I've gone on to use other forms of tech. I guess mm-hmm. the thing is, is that there's lots of tech out there. It was really helpful to have somebody who was willing to test it with yeah, me, and right. he was generous with his time. Right. So I try to do that uh, with other voice teachers as well. So if you have any interest at all, you can book time with me, and I will walk you through the process and help you test it, because I know how important it is to have somebody kind of guide you through the process. Fabulous. Yeah. 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 Well. Mm-hmm. So that's I, one of the things I do. I may be knocking on your door just for that well, purpose. Good. Yeah. The, the thing about MIDI to MIDI, I was like, I totally understand how that works. And actually, in my, my I have another job that is it and web like i'm a web developer so i understand about network connections and everything but when i thought about trying to get people to do midi to midi in my studio i was like "Eh." and then i then like i work almost all in the classical world as a singer and i'm like you know that's a whole other deal i need to do something that's figure out the the acoustic version of all this and yeah here we are you know here we are that's really great. Singer-songwriters, it's really important. And they have a mm-hmm. version of this already, right? They've got audio movers, and they have ways of already connecting online, right? Yes. Which and is I, great. We can borrow from them, though. Oh, yeah. 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 Years ago, I was familiar with the places where you can go to, like, to, to it was like asynchronous collaboration. So, you know, like, if you, if you needed beats for something or if someone wanted to... Uh, 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 you know, was looking for a lyricist or whatever. And, the, and then, uh, you know, sites and loops and all that kind of stuff that was being shared. But moving toward real time is really exciting. It is. I mean, what are all those TikTok things where you got to duet on one side, right? And Smool, all those apps yeah. where yeah. one person puts up uh, the, the audio and then you just sing to it. It's like, mm-hmm. you're almost there, guys. Yeah. So if you're willing to do that, then... You know, live streaming and live low latency is really very close to that. When I have one little tech question on the live streaming, are, do you run your audio and video totally separate, or do you have some kind of is it is it is it integrated in one video file straight off? How do you That's do that? Very good question. When I'm live streaming and I want to pull audio from a secondary source like mm-hmm. CleanFeed mm-hmm. or SoundJack or Sonobus or something like that, I use mm-hmm. Loopback. I'm a Mac girl. So I use a program called Loopback okay. by a company called Rogue Amoeba. Amoeba. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and they make a bunch of Mac programs for audio, basically. Okay. And it helps uh, reroute the audio. So it's otherwise it would live just in SoundJack, and I would never be able to port it over to right. something else. So this helps a lot. Um, Loopback, yeah, is the program I use, I think. Um, another one is Soundflower. And there's a third one for Windows people, and the name escapes me. It's audio something. Um, sorry. It's on, my, it's on my YouTube. I talk about all of it. But Okay, great. I, but I'm a Mac girl, and so I have all the Mac things in my head and not the PC things in my head. Sure. Uh, but, yes, uh, none, none of the restreamers um, have enough power to be able to run both the audio and mm-hmm. video as fast mm-hmm. as you need to go. Yep. 
Will they get there? I don't know. Um, I run it all on one computer. So I'm careful to make sure I'm not running other big programs at the same time. Yeah. And I think eventually I may split it into two computers, you know, one for audio, one for video. Mm-hmm. But I'm not there yet because I don't, don't feel like a mogul yet. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe ask me again in six months. I was going to, today is the day when Apple has their announcement of what's coming out, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm watching. But right now I have a desktop that I bought um, mid-pandemic, and right now it can run everything I need to run. I use Restream as my live streamer, so I've also used StreamYard successfully, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and both of those are browser-based live stream solutions. Nice. They each do things slightly differently. So I started with StreamYard, and that's a great place to begin if you're interested in doing that. And I only started live streaming because my students had been doing some really cool things, and I wanted to interview them online. And that was when I started looking for a streamer. That was in December of 2020. That was the first time I ever live streamed in my life. And I loved it. And my students loved it. And I realized it keeps a record of it. It's easier than Zoom to get on because you don't necessarily have to have an account and to have a number that you have to remember and passwords. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I liked the quality of it. I liked that I could add graphics. I liked that I could, you know, have explanations going by. So Seth Rodesky, uh, who does Stars in the House, he uses StreamYard. I nice. can tell by the graphics as what he uses, but then he has a different audio connector. David, I think, knows exactly what he's using. But uh, I love that program, by the way. It's great that he's doing that. Yeah, that's so I switched to Restream because I wanted slightly different graphics, and I wanted to be able to stream to multiple locations at the same time. So I can do that. I can send it out to the Eden Show Facebook page, to my private Facebook page. I send it to my studio page Mm -hmm. and to Twitch and to YouTube. And my guests can send it out to their channels at the same time. So it goes live to about eight or nine different channels at the same time. Yeah, that's the trick. Uh, Last year, uh, 2020, um, I had my wedding scheduled for April 25th. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the plan, of course, got blown up. Yeah. So my only live stream I've ever done uh, was a down and dirty one with uh, uh, a phone uh, in my house. We had the wedding in my house and we and our guests watched it online from mm-hmm. all over. And it worked fine. We just used YouTube. We YouTube live. And um, it was neat. It was it, it was a, a raging success. We had uh, the readers from the wedding were in uh, Phoenix, New York and LA. Oh, that's so cool. So we had them piped in and I, I, it was, it was, you know, bailing twine and spit how I, how I put them together, (laughs) but I had them on a monitor between us and then the camera back over here. So the camera was looking at the monitor with the, the speaker of the moment. And then Harry and I were on each side of, of the monitor and it worked out great. And people were like, people were so freaked out at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We ended up, uh, so April 25th. Yeah. So, so uh, people were so thankful that we did that. You Mm -hmm. know, it was like this ray of sunshine in a dark time, I guess. And uh, so that was pretty cool. But so is it just the two of you and then everybody else was viewing? Yes. So we had, we actually had, and I actually put up cue cards for us, for our vows. Of course uh, you did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I actually I'm so do proud have, of you. <laughs> I do have good lighting. I actually have like, 
you know, tripods and real tripods and real lighting, you know, uh, with different color temperature and all that. I I have a cool setup. I'll tell you one thing this whole pandemic did was I bought gear like a madman. Um, same. Yeah. And Sweetwater loves me. I got a lot of candy from Sweetwater. (laughs) I have a personal sales guy, George. George, George writes to me. He phones me. I'm not kidding. Uh, yeah. 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 I'm waiting for a gig bag to show up from Sweetwater today, actually. So, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Didn't think my gig bag would break, but it did. Too much use. <laughs> oh, well. Well, that's neat. I love that. <laughs> you know, that I love sidebars that, that go to cool places. And, and tech, man, we, we got to do a show on just just modern tech of of our industry um sometime but i'd like to to get on to talk more about like what you do as a performer and what you've run into over the years um as an as an actress uh singing actress um a cabaret person i i guess we could say and uh you know all the sort of multimodal performing you do um what are the what are the pitfalls of being a uh Mega threat. Yeah, mega threat. Uh, inch, <laughs> what is it? An inch deep and a mile wide? <laughs> I think that's the big one. I'm desperately afraid of being accused of being jack of all trades, master of none. Uh huh. But yet, that's not accurate. And that's no, a little. It isn't. Foster syndrome. And I don't know when. I mean, I've always done a lot of stuff since mm-hmm. the time I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just always done a lot of things and have been interested in a lot of things. I feel they're all kind of related. And they all make kind of a web in my brain. They mm-hmm. all have something to do with performing or helping mm-hmm. people with performing, I think, mm-hmm. in some way. And even when I'm not an active performer, I still feel like I'm performing when I'm teaching uh, or with the other things that I do. Oh, yeah. So I think that all kind of falls under that umbrella. And I, I do a lot because I, I find a lot of things really interesting. I want to learn about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I did my Clifton Strengths test. You ever done those? The Clifton yes. Strengths test? Yeah. yeah. Well, my number one is learner. Right. So, I mean, the joke among learners is that we could probably, you know, solve any crisis if you just let us read the right books, because we can we think we can. We think we can learn our way out of any situation or learn our way into anything we want to do. Yeah. Right. That's not entirely true, but it feels like it. So, oh, well, I want to do a live stream show. Okay, I'll go learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Oh, I got to get this piece of equipment. Okay. Visa. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of how I learned it. I, it never, never occurred to me to say, maybe that's not a good idea, or maybe you should just focus on something else. No, that's what I was focused on at that moment. And it felt related enough to what I wanted to do and those goals that it was worth doing for me, especially when I thought the alternative was uh, sit at home and feel sad about the opportunities I had lost out on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was in a show until March 13th of 2020. I was in an equity show, my second equity show. Oh, man. It, oh, yes. And we had just <laughs> gotten out of previews. Uh, we had the wine and cheese at opening, and we lasted like three more shows. And it was supposed to run for like a month and a half. Wow. It, Bummer. It was really sad. It was Assassins. Oh, yeah. The Sondheim awesome. Assassins. Yeah. Oh, it was so cool. We got like three good reviews. And then everybody else was scheduled to come that weekend to review us, and we were already shut, and wow. that was really sad. Really was, sad. Was that so, in Rhode Island, or where was it? It was. It was at a, a, a theater called the Gam Theater in Warwick, Rhode Island. Great nice. place. Yeah. So, and I'd, I'd done some other things with them, and yeah, mm-hmm. that was really, really fun to do. 
So, um, so what did we do? We ended up making a viral video, right? All of us dressed up in our assassin's costume with whatever version we had at home, uh-huh. and we made a parody of the opener. Everybody's got the right to be happy, right? Which is the opener. We did. Everybody's <laughs> got the right to be healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote it uh, the parody with one other cast member. Uh, but there, whole bunch of skills. I hadn't done this much before, but okay, how do you do one of those viral videos? Oh, you go and find the the music from the London Symphony Orchestra, and you buy that for 15 bucks, and then you write it, you put it in a Google Doc, and then you send out the directions to everybody. Uh, put yourself in a background that doesn't have any photos, and lip sync to this, and then you get on GarageBand, and you add track after track after track. And you sync it up, mm-hmm. and then you get one of the guy to work with you on the video, and he does half, and you do half, and then you premiere it on your live stream. So each one of those was a skill that had to get learned, yep. but the end goal in mind was it's going to give us something to do. It's going to keep us together, yep. even though we're going through this horrible process. So it, it felt worth it at the time. And everybody who produced a viral video in 2020, I think that was the same thought of I got to do it to have something to do. And it yeah. wasn't easy. But we did it. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad we did that. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm glad I have those skills. And I've used them on behalf of myself and also for my own students. And as you and I were talking before we recorded today, we said that students today and teachers today, we are so much more connected. And the pandemic just kind of sped that up. And we can say, oh, I don't want to participate in social media. I don't want to participate in that marketing. I don't want to, you know, just it feels icky or I just don't feel confident in that. Mm-hmm. But really you can't say completely no to that unless you're Banksy, right? So you've got yeah, to, yeah. you have to participate. And if you're not comfortable in it, then you just do a little bit at a time and yes. just get comfortable with little tiny steps. You do not have to do the, all the stuff I'm doing, but I didn't, I wasn't doing a lot of this two years ago, uh, but I'm really glad I am. And I'm really glad that I can do that on behalf of my own studio, my own students, and then my own performing, and for every group I'm part of. I've seen that for years, Brian, that I was always felt like I was the one in any group who knew how to uh, to do social media mm-hmm. or understood the importance of promotion, mm-hmm. and everybody else wasn't even thinking about it. And then the concert's three days from now. Hey, do you think we should put an article in the paper? What? Yeah. What? <laughs> so... And and they're all really good, well-meaning people. Well-meaning groups don't have a marketing department. Yeah. But it's really incumbent upon all of us that are participating in nonprofit arts to advocate for the groups we're in and to do our part. Every theater production I've been part of, um, except for the equity ones, they don't have people you know to do all of the marketing and the PR. So, but it's really, really important to do that. Right. It's word of mouth. The social media is really just a sophisticated form of word of mouth. That's a wonderful way to think about it. Yeah. The, the other thing I think is important for people as they're trying to adapt to all this is you see someone who, you know, we would say is killing it in terms of promotion and social media. And we think we have to do it their way. And I think your incremental thing you just talked about is so important mm-hmm. because because just learning a little thing like you know, learning how to tweet and, and learning how to do a Facebook live. I mean, those are, those are itty bitty steps that, um, anyone can do. And just those can grow into something really big. Um, but people get overwhelmed about the people who seem to be doing it all, all at once. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know. Think, it, think about it like, I mean, we didn't learn our first opera all in one day. Hello. Yeah. Hello, right? Right, right. So, yeah. I mean, think of it really. This is opera. And it's, it is note by note. It is rehearsing and getting it wrong and then trying it again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes getting outside help from a coach, uh, doing your own research, your own thinking about it, and then doing your own version of it. This is really, you know, similar to that. Yeah. 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 So when you're saying about, you know, multi-threat, you know, what is, what do I think of? Yeah. This has become a major part of my life. I feel like I play a giant drum set of skills. Uh And so sometimes I'm hammering on cymbals and sometimes it's the kick and sometimes, you know, it's the snare. And I just riff wherever I need to at a given time. And I definitely go through periods where I don't want to be on social media. And it's like, I'll take a break. I had a big concert yesterday with a student of mine, and I don't want to be anywhere near social media today. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, a break, a break. But I'll be back on it fairly soon because yeah. I want to share the good news of what he did. So that makes me want to get on there, too. And it sometimes feels icky if you're promoting yourself or promoting your own studio. Mm-hmm. But I never feel bad talking about how great my students are. Yeah. So if I can't do it for myself, I can go through them, and then it gets really fun, and they love it. That's neat. Well, mm-hmm. on your website, I noticed one, one of the things you do, like getting into sort of the uh, the producer side of your life, I guess, a little bit, is um, would you say with your students, I know you pro- you help provide them with lots of opportunities, but are you also sort of teaching them to be, you know, this uh, – uh, multi-threaded kind of thing? Like, do you teach them the skills of, say, live streaming and sound jack and how to work uh, sound systems and, and that sort of thing? Um, or are you working with a really young population where you sort of provide all the opportunities for them? Great question. Uh, truthfully, most don't want that, right? And here I'm talking about how wonderful it is, right? Mm-hmm. But I, we can talk until we're blue about how wonderful it is. But if you don't see the use of it for yourself, you're never going to do it. And so I, most of my population in my studio, they Zoom. We sometimes use CleanFeed as our audio connector. We sometimes use Sonobus. We sometimes use SoundJack, depending on what their individual needs are. I really customize every lesson for my students according to their interests. So I consider that the live streaming and the tech is just part of that customization. Mm-hmm. And but everybody starts with their first lesson on Zoom, even though I don't really love Zoom. Who right, does? Right. No. <laughs> but it is the <laughs> easiest connector. It just is. So we start there. But in the Zoom stuff, I also mention, hey, I have these other methods of connecting if you prefer. So I use mm-hmm. other video connectors, which use less bandwidth. So sometimes if a student has an older computer, those work out better for them, especially for older uh, performers uh, that can have mm-hmm. a terrible time with Zoom, but there are other connectors that work easier for the older population. And if the audio is fine, we don't mess with it. I don't insist that people get on here. I would love to insist on it because I know the quality is so much better. Yeah. But you know, I'm not going to force them to do it. Mm-hmm. What I do try to teach is being open to that kind of stuff and let them see how happy it makes me to do it. Yeah, I'm trying, that helps yeah. a lot. And traction, not promotion, right? So, hey, I'm doing this really cool live stream, and they tune in. And then eventually, I usually get the question, how do you do that? Uh And I'll say, well, come be a guest on my show, and I'll show you. Cool. So I've really done that a lot, actually, with the performers, because I see such a use of low latency for performers. Yeah. And so I I ask the ones who I actually think could benefit from it the most, and people who are good talkers, good, you know, 
flexible people. And they say, oh, I don't know if I can do all this tech. And then I get them on within 20 minutes. Oh, you mean it was that easy? Yeah, it was that easy. So I love that. And that's like, you know, when you get a person who can't sing a high note effectively and then you give them three tweaks to make it easier. Oh, my gosh, Brian, I had no idea that high note could feel so good. Well, I knew. Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad it worked out for you, right? Yeah. That's why I'm here, right? Yeah. yeah, is to make that easier for you. So I do think that the modern musician and the next generation is going to need a whole bunch of additional skills, the kind of stuff that you and I didn't get taught in classical training. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got taught you know, pedagogy and history and theory and technique, which was wonderful. I loved my time. I went to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And it was great, but they didn't say one thing about how to get people to show up to recital. Right. That wasn't what they did, but yeah. that's certainly a skill that is really needed now. And they didn't talk about what to do if you didn't get hired in classical music, which is what happened to me, which is also one of the reasons I do all these things. I trained as a coloratura soprano, mm-hmm. but nobody knew I was a coloratura until I was in master's, like mm-hmm. five years after my undergrad. And then um, there was like, what, one coloratura role per year? <laughs> so there wasn't right. a lot right. for yeah. me to do. And then I moved to a really small town where they had no need for me except for a messiah every few years. And what do I do? What do I do? So I started, you know, getting my piano up and running again. I started working at a local theater as a music director and realized I loved doing that. I had never done that before in my life. And I'd always been a piano player, but those other parts of me, like, started coming back. I started as a piano player and then went to singing when I was about, I don't know, 13. I'd already been Mm -hmm. playing piano for like eight years at that point. So I felt like it was just bringing back parts of me that had kind of been on that back burner or that other part of the drum kit and said, oh, okay, now it's time to drum on this drum. And that was great fun. And then when I would miss singing a little bit, I'd go find a gig somewhere and I'd go sing something and okay, took care of that. Now back to this. So I think that's really when I started doing all of those things. Uh, But then I moved to Rhode Island and I moved here in 2010. And I Mm -hmm. knew nobody when I got here. So I realized I was going to have to network like crazy and promote like crazy for anybody to know who I was. Yeah. And so I think I've been in that mode ever since of wanting to connect people with me and connect them with each other and to build this big network of of players and artists and musicians and performers. And some of those networks are already here, but I I do feel like I've, I've built one here as well. And what I see in all of them is massive talent, great generosity. Uh, but a lot of them are missing those skills that they need to be performers that can not not really support themselves, but just make a little bit of money to keep going. Mm-hmm. And performers who have great projects, but how do you get people to turn out to do them? So I see a lot of, of needs still in that area. And there are very basic things that you can do, like we were talking about. You start with one Facebook Live. Uh, you start with one Instagram, one TikTok, and mm-hmm. you just grow from there. Yeah. So and you don't have to do a lot. Just start with one thing. And then when you realize how easy it is and how manageable it is, then you yeah. can add on something else. Just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Be sure to listen to part two of my interview with Eden, where she talks about the nuts and bolts of how she moved her performing life to a streaming format and how she helps clients do the same. Also, listen for a bonus nugget from Liza Minnelli. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and check us out at thevoiceculture.com. Bye for now.